Thank you for listening to the Lunch Pail Guys podcast. If you enjoy the show and want to support us, the best ways are to leave a five-star review and subscribe on your favorite platform and follow us on Twitter or Instagram at lunchpailguys underscore. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 165th week of the Lunch Pail Guys podcast. We're down man tonight. Bart is on vacation. Um, so, you know, it's a sad day, but he'll be back soon. And we Unpaid are... Vacation. Exactly. Paid vacation. Exactly. <laughs> As we've always said, benefit no. from the <laughs> guys. But he'll be back soon. And we still have a great show for you tonight. The rest of the normal crew is here. Wyatt's here, Aiden's here, and Jared is here. And we're going to get started, as we always do, with a little bit of news that we missed, some topics that we're not going to discuss too in-depth for the rest of the show, but things we want to highlight. First, uh, Temple Basketball <laughs> beat number one Houston this past week. They were given a 1% chance to win the game by ESPN's oh, wow. predictor thing uh, before the game, uh, and yet they did it, uh, which is impressive. As somebody who's seen a Temple basketball game this year, I did not think they had it in them necessarily to beat the number one team <laughs> in the country. But shout out the school where I go to law school at. It's hey, pretty cool. Yeah. I rem- That's like my association with Temple, though, is them being good at basketball. I don't know if that's still true or if this is just kind of a blip, but I feel like they were consistent, consistently made March Madness back in the day. Yeah, up until like the early 2010s, they were consistently really good. They're the fifth winningest program in college basketball history, as wow. I've learned by the science posted around campus. Uh, I made a couple of lead eights like in yeah. our lifetime and stuff like that. But yeah, they've been bad the past like five or six years. But hey, maybe this is the turnaround. Um, all right, next up, the conference title games are set. Uh, more great Philadelphia sports news. Uh, the Eagles <laughs> are playing the 49ers in the NFC, and the Chiefs are playing the Bengals in the AFC. We're going to talk a little bit more in depth about that in a few minutes. Um, I added this because we talked about it a little bit in the group chat, but the top of the West in the NBA is kind of a bunch of teams that over the past 25 years have been non-traditional powers uh, with the Nuggets, the Grizzlies, the Kings, and the Pelicans rounding out the top four, which is pretty cool. Crazy. Love to see it. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, in the East, uh, the Celtics have sort of solidified themselves in first place. Sixers have climbed into second. Nothing too much there, but we're not doing any NBA this week, so I thought, you know, give a little standings update mm-hmm. before we move on to the rest of our topics. Um, in some baseball news, Scott Rowland became the 18th third baseman inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame ever, and that is the fewest of any position. So there are fewer really? third basemen in the Hall of Fame than any other position. That is surprising. Yeah. I don't know what I expected. Maybe like second base or I don't know. I guess there are a lot of like catcher <laughs> also, but He's like back in the day, there were a lot of good iconic catchers. I don't know. Yeah. Huh. Yes. Yeah. He was a great fielding third baseman too. I do remember that about mm-hmm. him. I feel like he won a bunch of gold gloves, but I don't know. Yes. He won eight, for, which is kind of crazy. It's a respectable number, I would say. It's a respectable <laughs> number, I would say. <laughs> Um, and our last bit of news we missed is um, college football NFL type news. Bill O'Brien has exited Nick Saban's uh, coach rehabilitation program. He is leaving being the offensive coordinator for Alabama and will be the offensive coordinator for the New England Patriots next season. Good for Mac. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. 
There was overlap. So maybe there's a level of familiarity between them. Pro Bowl Mac Jones is back. We'll be seeing that Mac Jones gritty soon. That's true. Oh, I hope not. TV near you. That's true. But also the Texans still have an open head coaching job, so maybe they'll, you know, just snag Bill (laughs) O'Brien back. back. (laughs) Yeah. Steal him out of the past. Just don't be the GM. (laughs) It does close the window to the idea of the Patriots trading for D-Hop. I know that Bill Belichick and D-Hop like each other. I think that this is a nail in that coffin. There's no way that that happens. Yeah. You don't think they can... uh... What, what's the term? Out their differences? Yeah. No, I don't think so. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, we're going to get jumping into our main um, segments for the day. And as I alluded to earlier, it is the time for the NFL's uh, semifinal games. The AFC and a- NFC Championship have been set. The Eagles are playing the 49ers in the NFC. And in the AFC, the Bengals are playing the Chiefs. We're going to bring back a modified version of a... Uh, segment we used to do. Uh, I hope you're still listening after my voice just cracked in the middle of there uh, and did not choose to leave. But uh, we're doing a modified <laughs> segment of a of a segment we used to do called the People's Court, uh, where we're each going to be given one of the four remaining teams. I will take the Eagles. Jared is going to take the 49ers. The Anna's going to take the Chiefs, and White is going to take the Bengals. And we are going to each present the case uh, why they will win the conference title, respectively. And then we'll put it up on Instagram for the people to decide uh, who made the most compelling argument for their team. Um, so we'll get started on the NFC side of things. I'm going to mix up the order a little bit. I've been talking long enough, so we're going to start Jared with you uh, and the 49ers. <laughs> Tell me why you think they're going to make it to the Super Bowl. So I think since Jalen Hurts' injury, the Eagles have basically – they've only played one good game against – probably the worst or second worst remaining team in the divisional round of the playoffs. Sorry, Wyatt. No disrespect to the Giants. Uh, well, actually, that is disrespect to the Giants. But the Eagles, so they're so one, like, they haven't really, like, yes, they had a good game, but I want to see them do it against better competition. And the Eagles' lone loss this year where Jalen Hurts was the starter was against the Washington Commanders, right? Coincidentally, the Commanders also have the third best defense in terms of yards per game. Guess who's first in that stat? The 49ers. So that's going to be a tough challenge for uh, the Eagles to overcome. And I would say that, like I said earlier, we haven't seen Jalen Hurts and the Eagles do it against a top-tier defense that they're about to face. Also, in terms of rushing attack, I know that the Eagles are very talented on that on that facet of the game. The 49ers were second-best in rushing defense as well. So that's another kind of point where they can um, perhaps disrupt that. They've also played against other mobile quarterbacks like Kyler Murray and done absolutely fine against them. Um, So I think this team's going to be well prepared for that. Um, Another point is that I know much has been made about the 49ers schedule on their 12-game winning streak, but the Eagles, uh, according to teamrankings.com, which if anybody has a different source, let me know, but that's where I found (laughs) the most accurate information, the Eagles had the easiest schedule in the league. So, so. You can also make that case against them, and is another case of when they did play a really good defense in the Commanders, they struggled. When they play below average defenses, below average teams in general, they play well. The other thing, too, is the 49ers are winning, aren't winning in spite of Brock Purdy. They are winning because of him. Like, most importantly, no, that's not, I know, they've been better in every facet of the game since Brock Purdy's been the starter. He didn't turn the ball over at all, 65% completion percentage. Somebody tried to say that like Brock Purdy showed showed that he was a rookie under pressure. 
but he completed all but two passes while under pressure, 15 for 17, 159 yards. So I think this team is really just well-positioned. They're super well-coached. Um, and the Eagles, I, I don't think, have faced this level of competition. And if they have, they it being the commanders in this case, they lost. So that's what I would say for the 49ers here. All right, I'm up next with the Eagles, and I think it's interesting that you said the only level of competition that the Eagles have faced at that level is the Commanders, because I think the Eagles have played many better teams and beaten them uh, over the course of this year, but that's beside the point. Uh, I do think the Eagles have one of the most compelling um, sort of resumes of any team remaining to win the Super Bowl. We'll start by looking at just the course of the regular season. I think it matters. I think we have a pretty clear indication that the Jalen Hurts that we're going to be getting in this game is the one that's closer to the one that played all regular season versus the one who is still coming back from injury against the Giants. So over the course of that regular season, they were 14-3, and tied for the best record in the NFL. That's a bit misleading because Jalen Hurts was out for the two games. They had to struggle behind Gardner Minshew. When Jalen was playing, they were 14-1. and So there's pretty good evidence um, that they were the best regular te- season team this year, and they've gotten healthy for the postseason. Josh Sweat is back. Jalen Hurts looks back to his normal self. Lane Johnson played really well. Um, despite the abdominal injury against the Giants this past weekend. They had the most pro bowlers of any team at eight. They also had four guys with 10-plus sacks this year, which is the first team time that's ever happened in league history. So if you just look, I think, at it from a pure talent perspective, they're better. And especially considering Jalen Hurts is probably going to be the runner-up for MVP this year. Uh, if you if you add in the fact that Mahomes is injured um, coming this weekend, he might be the best remaining player, or the best remaining quarterback in the uh the playoffs at this point based on this year performance alone um plus the eagles have i think better offensive weapons uh than the 49ers by a hair it's close but with aj brown Devontae smith and miles sanders i think that's a formidable mm-hmm. sort of trio of players that the 49ers will have to stop despite their impressive defense plus their weekend their win this past weekend against the giants i think kind of put a lot of fears to rest like the giants have been playing well obviously it's not the level of competition that the 49ers are but I think it was the most impressive playoff performance that any team has had so far this year. It's the biggest blowout in divisional round history in the NFL. That doesn't just happen by luck. Um, and their defense shut down a Giants team that ran all over the Vikings defense. Admittedly, the Vikings defense is bad. But they still were able to shut down their offense. And like you alluded to, Jared, their run game is great. It's going to be strength against strength right there. So it's going to come down to the Eagles' strength kind of um, overcoming the 49ers. So we'll see how that goes. But I think statistically, the Eagles have a claim to being the best team in the NFL this year. Um, so, I don't know. They're top five in offense, top five in defense. Plus, I think they just have the clear advantage of quarterback. You said 49ers are winning, you know, because of Brock Purdy. And while maybe he's been an improvement over Jimmy G, I don't think they're winning necessarily because of him. I think maybe he is an important cog of the machine. But they're winning because they have an, an excellently designed offense that Debo Samuel comes into that George Kittle comes into that McCaffrey comes into like I think you put him on a team with less talented weapons I don't think you have as much success plus they could barely score this weekend against the Cowboys defense that has been pretty porous towards the end of the season a team that allowed 23 points to the Texans 40 to the Jags 34 to the Eagles 26 to the Commanders in the last few weeks of the season they can only put up 19 points against and the Eagles are by every stretch of the imagination, a better defense uh, than the Cowboys are. So I think for all those reasons combined, I think the Eagles have a more uh, compelling case uh, to be the NFC's Super Bowl uh, representative. 
I would my rebuttal for the Brock Purdy thing would be um, you could use that same argument against Jalen Hurst that when he didn't have weapons, he didn't look that good. But now they got AJ Brown and they have a good rushing attack. He looks good. And yeah, you know, I honestly think you can say that about Brock Purdy. Like sixty-seven percent completion percentage, thirteen touchdowns to four picks, thirteen hundred yards. Like that's those are crazy numbers for especially even just forget the fact that he's a rookie. Let's just even forget that. Those are just good numbers for a play for a quarterback that you're entering the playoffs with. So that'd be my rebuttal. That'd be my rebuttal against that argument. And that like, yes, do I think Jalen Hurts is the better quarterback in this matchup? Yeah, but I don't think that means Brock Purdy is gonna like be holding them back in this case no i don't necessarily think he'd be holding them back but i think that the eagles just have a significant advantage at that position another thing too i wanted to mention it is true the eagles have a really good pass rushing uh, pass rush but the 49ers also have a really good o-line they've allowed the seventh fewest sacks this year with 31 um so they also have a really good o-line that it'll be interesting to watch that matchup that i think i think basically my argument would be the 49ers are well poised to like kind of neutralize all the things the Eagles do well would be my argument. Good defense, good rush defense, um, good O-line to break up the pass rush. We have, uh, we, <laughs> the 49ers have Nick Bosa to <laughs> disrupt what the Eagles are doing on their side too. I mean, it's a close matchup, but I, I, I do like what the 49ers are bringing here. Okay, Fair enough. Well, we'll leave it at that. You can decide on Instagram who you think are going to win. And we'll switch over to the AFC side of things. So first up, we're going to go with the Chiefs. Aiden, can you tell us why you think the Chiefs are going to make the Super Bowl? Yep, so we all know the stat. We all know that Mahomes is 0-3 against Joe Burrow. But we're really talking toss-ups here. The Chiefs lost all three games by three points in each of them. Two of the games were in Cincinnati. We know Mahomes and Burrow are great competitors, and they'll be trading wins for years. This is the year Mahomes responds. You know, it's going to be made all more triumphant, all the more Michael Jordan-esque by being slightly hobbled uh, with an ankle injury. Um, We all know that that's not going to be enough to actually stop Patty here. And so why are they going to win? To start with, they're at home. They're more rested after having that initial bye. They have a newly revitalized running game. Isaiah Bacheco has really settled in over the last few weeks. Is averaging eight yards a carry over his past two games, um, making them more of a ground threat than they were the last time the Bengals saw them. And you know the same can't be said of the Bengals' ground game, which was 30th in the league this year in average yards per carry. Um, also, it's projected to be around 21 degrees in KC on Sunday, so potentially some snow on the field too from the night before. Seems possible. The the rush game will be important and the Bengals uh, I think are, are poised to allow Pacheco to have some yards here um, otherwise we know most of this game is going to be fought in the air I think the Chiefs also have the advantage there they lost last year at home to the Bengals and in, in the playoffs due to an uncharacteristic game from Patrick Mahomes he threw two interceptions he's done that only twice this year odds are we don't see that again the Bengals are in the bottom half of the league in interceptions. They have the 23rd best passing defense in the league. And the Chiefs also have a healthier receiving core than when they played the Bengals in December. Kadarius Toney was out for that one, and he's been pretty solid since then. And plus the Bengals defense in uh, their last few games and their playoff games have been pretty porous against tight ends specifically. Mark Andrews easily beat his season average with 75 yards in. Uh, Their opening game, Dawson Knox had his third highest total of the season in terms of receiving yards. 
against the Bengals. So Travis Kelsey, I feel like, is poised to have a really big day. Um, so I think this is the day that the pendulum swings back to KC in this new rivalry. All right, Wyatt, you're up. Tell us why the Bengals are going to win. Well, Aiden, I don't disagree with you all the way. I, I love the Chiefs also myself. But from top to bottom, is there really any other team left that might have a better offense than the Bengals? Jamar Chase, without a doubt, is the best remaining wide receiver left in the playoffs across the board. T. Higgins is also probably the best wide receiver two left in the playoffs. He'd be a wide receiver one on a lot of other teams. And Joe Burrow, as we know it, is the second best quarterback in the league. But the guy that we put up at number one, that we that we like to admire, Joe Burrow is looking to put up his fourth consecutive win up on Patrick Mahomes as well. Joe Burrow plays the quarterback position better than anybody else, uh, or at least just as well that, as, as anyone. He always makes a perfect throw, not just including ball placement, but it's not just deep shots. One of the biggest problems for Josh Allen against uh, Joe Burrow was that on third and four, Josh Allen is throwing a, a bomb downfield, whereas Joe Burrow is just going to take whatever the defense gives him. And he he's smart. He's intellectual. He knows how to play the position. And of all the teams that could have won a championship in the AFC, the Chargers, or at least the talented young teams that we look at, the Bills, really the Bengals are the only ones that can say that they've beat the Chiefs in the playoffs and they can look them in the face and say that we own own you. They own him full-heartedly. There's no fear on the Bengals team, and maybe the fear should be the other way around. Sam Hubbard and Trey Hendrickson are both fantastic pass rushers. Uh, the defense for the Cincinnati Bengals is kind of one of those defenses that did transform the way that teams play mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes with a too-high look as well. I mean, their their defense has adjusted well. Logan William, Wilson excuse me, is a talented an underrated linebacker for them. They have talent. It didn't seem like they really lost a beat with their offensive line being replaced as well. Joe Burrow is used to playing underneath stress, and I'm really just going to put my all, all my eggs in the basket of they're probably offensively more talented than any other team they're going to go against. That's bold to say against the Chiefs. I don't know. <laughs> We're talking about I mean, like they have two, better two wide of receivers. the top, whatever. Yeah, that's fair. But I mean, the and, you know Bengals don't have a Kelsey kind of weapon either, and I feel like the the Chiefs' attack is pretty balanced, even if they lack the the star. You still have guys who are either either Juju or Valdez Scantling. You know, Kadarius Tony. Someone has a big day and kind of steps up. And, uh, and and I agree, and I think that that's what makes this year so special for the Kansas City Chiefs is that. It's not Tyreek Hill on a crosser, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden now he takes it for 60 yards. He, he They have done a fantastic job so far mm-hmm. with this offense. Andy Reid's scheme is fantastic. I think the Bengals have a chance defensively yep. to make them a little bit one-dimensional and put the game on Patrick Mahomes' ankle, let's mm-hmm. say. He might be playing on one leg out yep. there, and there's a chance that maybe that creates an uncharacteristic unchar- game for the Bengals, you know, like, uh, or for, excuse me, for the Chiefs. Whereas, I mean, right now, rushing wise, they allow the seventh least yards, yeah. you know, for a defense. So yep. hopefully they can kind of contain that run and say, you know, we're going to put some pressure on Mahomes and make him kind of win win the game on them, which I know is not 
super smart, but it's also not, as of right now where it stands, it's not exactly the dumbest thing. Yeah, yeah, you know that's going to be part of the game plan. And so a lot hinges on the health of that ankle. Um, mm-hmm. I'm picturing the, the heroic Mahomes game. Um, but we all know from the games that we've seen of the Bengals and Chiefs so far, um, just feels like it's going to be a tight game. It's It's hard to see it being anything other than that. Yeah, agreed. Well, let us know who you think won these debates, who's going to go to the Super Bowl, and we're going to move on to our next segment. But before yeah, we, we do, we're not picking a, a message from our sponsors. No, okay, all right. I don't think so. Social media is. Chiefs forty nine. Nah, it's gonna be it's gonna be Eagles. Somebody Eagles Bengals. I'll just pick the opposite. Honestly, I don't know I think <laughs> why, we, we why you chose the Chiefs. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I think we did get though the two best possible NFC and AFC match. I mean, like I'm sure Chiefs Bills would have been fun too, but I'm really excited for both games, Chiefs Bengals, and definitely the NFC. Yeah. We got the two best teams, but no doubt. So mm, yeah, yeah, and they're both like yeah. it was a good people's court. I think because they're both like really evenly matched. I'm like super excited to see. You can make a case for like any four of those teams. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm no, expecting two OT games. Anything less will be a, a disappointment of a weekend. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. All right. Well, before we move on, then, that long-awaited word from our sponsors. Four NFL games, two conference championship games, and only a few more shots to win big on the playoffs with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Counting down to Super Bowl 57, new customers can bet just $5 and get 200 free bets instantly. Not a new customer? You can feel the championship thrills with stepped-up same-game parlays. Take your shot at an even bigger NFL payout and boost your winnings with each leg you add up to 100%. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code TPPN. New customers can bet just $5 on the conference championships and get 200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code TPPN. All right, so we're going to move on then. We're going to talk a little bit more NFL before we wrap up the show today. Uh, We're going to look at the other side of things that we did previously in the episode. We looked at all the winners from this past weekend. Right now we're going to look at one of the teams that fell a little short. Um, Despite having a 9-7-1 record that outperformed expectations this year, the New York Giants lost to the Eagles this weekend 38-7 in the divisional round. Questions maybe still being raised about quarterback Daniel Jones and his future despite the successful season. So Wyatt, you're a resident Giants fan here. Should the Giants stick with Daniel Jones going forward? The term going forward is this very ambiguous time period that I kind of want to steer away from because it's a term that I hear a lot when I scroll through Twitter and I read some articles about the Giants, is that Mm -hmm. they say, oh, well, Daniel Jones will probably be the quarterback going forward. Next year? Yeah, what? Whatever. I mean, I'm not really that concerned about that. There are not that many other options out there unless we wanted to go for Derek Carr. But, like, what are we going to do? Go Derek Carr, Jimmy Garoppolo, or we can go with Daniel Jones and hopefully maybe at least stay even. I don't know if we're going to improve on our success, but I definitely think that next year we will take a step back. I think we're going to get a harder schedule because of where we made it into the playoffs. And unfortunately, we're not going to, we're picking 26 right now. So it doesn't exactly give us a huge chance to make a big improvement 
going into next year. Would I give Daniel Jones a three to four year multi million dollar deal? Absolutely not. But that seems like that's what the general public is under the impression that that's coming, that he's at least going to be making $30 million a year. Some people are, are pitching that he makes or he gets three to four years on his contract. And there's no way that I would go past a two year, $20 million per year contract. If the Falcons, Colts, or Panthers feel like they want to use him and that they can give him $35 million and that Daniel Jones has resurrected his career, that's fine. But we know that there's no Daniel Jones success outside of the Dayball system because we saw three other years of awful quarterback play during that time. Even a good year for Daniel Jones right now, he only threw 15 touchdowns and 3,200 yards, which is one of the big things that like when Tua only threw for 3,000 yards a couple years ago, or at least back-to-back years, it was like, ah, is he really that good? I mean, like, who else is going to replicate what Dayball has been able to do? His whole system is we eliminate the quarterback's mistakes, we lean on what they're really good at, and I don't think any other team is both talented enough and smart enough to keep Daniel Jones afloat outside of what the Giants were able to do. So it seemed like after the, the year, um, Joe Shane, our GM, had a press conference, and he made it pretty clear that he's really aware that this roster is not talented enough to compete with a team like the Eagles. Um, so if I were, if it was like I have to bring back Saquon or I have to bring back Daniel Jones, I'd bring back Saquon. I'd pay him 10 to 12 a year. I would mm-hmm. – you know, I would go out there and I would, and to Bart's dismay, I would say that the running back has some value. Which, by the way, I was doing some numbers and was looking at some of the best, con- the top contracts on a position basis. It's like Nick Chubb, Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, uh, Derek Henry, those type of guys who are getting paid. You think any of those teams, maybe the Saints, any of those teams really regret paying their running backs a lot? I don't really know if I subscribe to the narrative anymore that they're not that valuable or not that they're not valuable. They may be easy to replace, but mm-hmm. that it's a huge detrimental mistake for you to go out there and pay a guy. If Saquon is making anywhere from 12 to $15 million a year, what does that, where does that set the giants back? Mm-hmm. I, I don't really know where, like why that would be such a big deal. It, our cap space, we have enough cap space to be able to make it work. But if I had to pick a guy that we're going to lean on, it's going to be Saquon Barkley one more year. And I'm going to let Tyrod Taylor fulfill his prophecy of start for a little bit and then a franchise quarterback walks in that door. Yeah, I think but, I think you're right, actually. The, the problem with, like, well, it would be interesting if you could use that kind of, like, as a public bargaining chip or something to say, hey, we try to give Daniel Jones, like, a fair two-year, $20 million contract. Knowing he's, pro- I don't think his agent, his agent's gonna push back quite hard on that. I'm sure. Knowing that, mm-hmm, say, okay, probably. we're gonna offer that, but know that he might walk away. Um, and if you kind of use that, I think, with maybe the owner and like the GM, obviously like being in line with like we're not gonna be that good this year, it could work. The the only pitfall is that if you're just running it back with Tyrod Taylor or whatever, is that coaches and players want to win and they don't want to be part of a tank job. Coordinators, especially right now really don't want to be part of a tank job because they get scapegoated so the most often so often like look at byron leftwich who's getting head coaching offers last or head coaching Mm -hmm. interviews at least last offseason and one season after brady had an awesome year now he had a bad year they're moving on from him kind of scapegoating him in a sense 
Um, and like players are gonna be playing in a contract year and want to maximize their money. So nobody wants to tank, but if you can maybe do something where I think their best bet is like what the 49ers did if Trey Lance like worked, I guess, where they're just like, you know what, we have the coach. We just really need to get the quarterback right at this point. Like if you get the coach quarterback, get a good D line rusher, which they might have in Kayvon Thibodeau. If we get the quarterback right, then you're sitting pretty. I think wide receiver also is a really important position, Wyatt. But those are kind of yeah. like a dime a dozen, I'm going to say, like finding a good wide receiver. The Giants yeah. have just been unfortunate and kind of struck out on a lot of them. But yeah. you, in like five drafts, you will find one guy that's going to be like a number one for you, I think. So I think their best bet yeah. is maybe using a little bit of like public bargaining. Like, hey, we tried to build Daniel Jones back. It just didn't make sense for the price point. And maybe like, I mean, the Seahawks are probably going to do something similar with Geno Smith. Maybe he becomes available or something. You never, you don't really know how the market's going to shake out. There's like a lot of interesting options there. I think that's probably their best bet. Yeah, I just feel like all the options will be expensive, just because of how the QB market is. Geno Smith is going to be expensive. You think? You know, we live in a world where Ryan Tannehill is making, let me see, thirty million a year. So Daniel Jones is is not taking twenty million, and that same twenty million will not buy you Geno Smith. So. I don't know where that leaves you. And I'm not sure what your, what your, yeah. <laughs> but like with like Tyrod Taylor, like what is, I guess the end game. I feel like the Giants aren't, still won't be bad enough with Tyrod Taylor and Saquon Barkley to actually get a Caleb Williams or a, a top flight kind of QB prospect. You could bet on, you know, the, the mid first rounders and whatnot, you know, the late rounders, but they're in this weird like in between period, I feel like. You have to get, like, a San Francisco 49ers. Like, what did they have originally? Like, the 12th pick or something? And turn that into a third-round <laughs> mm-hmm. pick? You have to do something kind of... You have to get, like, in that range. But their roster was already in place to exactly. start winning yeah, at yeah. that point. Exactly. Yeah. And and one of the things about the 49ers a lot is that, like, Debo Samuel was not a first-round pick. George Kittle yeah. was not a first-round pick. None of the running backs before yeah. Christian McCaffrey were probably even third-round picks. Like, most of the guys that they picked up and have put onto this team were later picks that ended up working out. Like Brandon Ayuk is probably mm. off the top of my head the only first round pick on that roster that they drafted, you know? Mm. So mm. it's the other guys that they've traded for, of course. Mm. <clears throat> and Trey Lance, of course. Um so I think right now if you're the Giants organization, especially if you're fans and you're talking to people in the locker room, one, there's a lot of tough decisions this this summer. Mm. Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones. Mm. Um, Leonard Williams and and Dexter Lawrence are both up for extensions right now. Mm-hmm. Adoree Jackson, you might want to try to keep. Um, Kenny Galladay is obviously gone. There's no way that they keep him. <laughs> they're rolling him out there to block, and then they're pulling him back in one more in one play. Good blocker, though. I'll give him credit for yeah. that. Um, but they got some guys who it's like, okay, maybe it's time that we need to start talking about extensions and rebuilding the actual core. And we're still kind of paying for the mistakes of Dave Gettleman from a couple years ago, who did mm-hmm. make moves like – Okay, like yeah, we're ready, we're ready to win, and now all of a sudden, we have. I mean, there's really no talent on this team. If they had won two games this year, I don't think anyone would have blamed them. Um, yeah. And then if they, if they were going into next year to say that we're still in a rebuild, I don't think anyone would blame them. The only reason why it it's part of a situation where there be any expectation is because we won nine games this year. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that if we look at our schedule next year making it to the second round of the playoffs that we are going to get an easy one at any chance. Yeah. And we'll probably end up 
you know, and when it comes to one score games, probably end up on the other side of it where it's like <laughs> we've been in 11 one score games and we lost <laughs> 10 of them, you know, one of those things. Yeah. But from that perspective, like how do you justify keeping Saquon? As like sad as that yeah. is. Saquon's so fun to watch and I feel like should be a giant. But if you don't think you're going to win next year, and I know you what you said about your contracts with running backs, and I think I agree with you. I think that the the ones that you mentioned were good. But like, do you see, say, like, do you see it as a good long term move to re-sign a running back who probably in three years or so, if that's I don't know what the scope of your rebuild is, um, might not be, you know, ready to contribute to the team after that rebuild, I guess. Part of my question, part of it is, I mean, you got to sell tickets, right? Mm-hmm. Like they can't go out there and they have mm-hmm. their backup. And like, no offense to Matt Breida, but it's not going to be like we have Tyrod Taylor and Matt Breida, and those of you you get to watch, and we got season ticket holders. At the very least, Saquon does give them a chance, and if they're better than they hope, like let's say Tyrod Taylor has a Geno Smith type year or whatever, and mm-hmm. they end up nailing four of their you know picks this year or whatever, mm-hmm. and it's like okay, now we have Saquon too, and we can lean on that. And we'll be good again. Maybe that that's the case. Maybe next year, or not next year, the year after that, and you sign him like a three or four year deal, then you're ready to compete. Okay, now we have Saquon locked in on a cost controlled price. <laughs> I think that there are benefits to it, and there are kind of some unforeseen factors of what could come to it. There is entirely the possibility, Aiden, what you said, that he is there for three years, and then on that fourth year, they're ready to go. But at the same time, it's kind of like, they like Jared said, like they are still trying to go out there and win games. They just might not be good enough to. Mm-hmm. And I think that you can't live in a world where you're the New Orleans Saints, where it's like we think we're better than we are, and we're gonna pay people like we're better than we are, and we're gonna trade our draft picks so we can trade up and have two first round picks this year, and all that kind of stuff. Um, I think you can be realistic and then still kind of try to win games at the same time. Well, if you want to root for this podcast to win games metaphorically. Win fans, download this episode, please, and follow the show so it'll download automatically for you. You can also follow us on Twitter or Instagram um, at lunchpailguys underscore for more interactive engagement. Give us some feedback on the show. Would you like to hear more of, less of? We hope you join us for another episode later this week where we're going to talk about the Burrow-Mahomes rivalry and some more sports auction trivia. You won't want to miss it.